So one of the truths about Easter is, is that you don't get to have Easter without the horror of the cross. Now, I, I got to be honest with you, up until a little bit ago, I knew nothing, next to nothing about the history of Cambodia. I, I vaguely knew that back when I was a kid, they called it Kampuchea and not Cambodia. And I knew that when I was born, that the United States had bombed Cambodia. But really, beyond those two facts, I didn't know much about Cambodia. So Tom became my professor when I got, arrived in Cambodia. He's a, a law student out there um, at, near Siem Reap, and he went with me for about a week and was my educator. He's, um, we talked mostly about ancient Khmer, Cambodia, about the history and the culture. But as we got to know each other better, and we got to trust each other a little bit more, I asked about the Khmer Rouge. And it's an emotional subject to bring up in Cambodia. And I'm going to be honest, I had no idea how devastating that was, that experience in that country. I, no idea, none. I had no idea about how the powers of evil cause unprecedented violence and death in Cambodia. This nation and the entire world we were shut down for a while, and over globally, we're estimating that we suffered about a 1% death rate due to COVID. Now, that is a lot of people. During the five years of the Khmer Rouge, one in four, just think about that, 25% of the population of Cambodia was killed or executed. I had no idea. Pretty much every professional, teacher, doctor, dentist, anybody who had an education was executed or they were worked to death. The scars on that country are profound. Now Tom, he knew, I was, he knew that I was bicycling down to the capital, Phnom Penh. And he told me, he said, you must, you must go to S21. I, I hadn't even heard about S21. But he said, you must go and see it for yourself. So I did. A handful, and there were kind of a 20-somethings, or back, back when the Khmer Rouge, there was a group of about, oh, a dozen or so, 20-something people in their 20s and 30s who were ideologues, who had this vision for Cambodia. And to get to that vision, it led to horrors. They literally took the Nazi playbook on how to run a concentration camp and decided to see if they could improve on it, make it even more deadly. And they did. S21 was the result. It was their pinnacle. It was a high school in Phnom Penh. It was a, an area of laughter and learning. And in the course of a couple of weeks, they converted it from a high school into a place of torture and death for 20,000 people. Men, women, children. Now, I'm curious. I didn't know anything about this history. Did you? Some people? I think it's one of those things that we've been 
ignorant of. I didn't know a thing. Now, S21, this concentration camp was overseen by the head of security for Cambodia under the Khmer Rouge, Kang Kek Lu. And he was also just known as Comrade Duch. And of the 20,000 people that came into S21, 12 survived. That's it. As a museum today, the instruments of torture and death, they were just left as they were. They're just there. And Comrade Duke, he was a very efficient administrator, but kept the personal touch. Um, he signed off on the execution of every single person, including when his first grade teacher was assigned to the camp. He went and he saw her. This is a woman who loved him as a child. He had loved her. And he spoke to her and then signed off on her torture and execution. Then one of Jesus' 12 closest followers, who was called J Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, what will you give me if I turn Jesus over to you? They paid him 30 pieces of silver. From that time on, he was looking for an opportunity to turn him in. <clears throat> Later, Judas came. With him was a large crowd carrying swords and clubs. They had been sent by the chief priests and elders of the people. Jesus' betrayer had given them a sign. Arrest the man I kiss. Just then he came to Jesus and said, Hello, Rabbi. Then he kissed him. But Jesus said to him, My friend, do what you came to do. Then they grabbed him and arrested him. You don't get to have Easter without at least acknowledging the horror of the cross. I got to S21, and it was in the middle of the afternoon, kind of about 2.30, 3 o'clock. And I witnessed the places, the classrooms that had been converted for torture, the cells. And I, I saw the file cabinets where Comrade Duke had documented all of it. He, he was very thorough in that. And they had the pictures of thousands and thousands of the pictures of the people who had gone through the camp. And there was this one little boy, prisoner 177. And I, I looked, and I don't know, in some ways he kind of looked like I did. It, we're, this, this kid was about the same age as I was at that time. And I, and I saw this kid, and it hit me. While I was a little kid, safe, loved, I, I got to go to school. He was being tortured and died in that concentration camp. And I looked into his eyes, and I, and I thought to myself, why him and not me? Or you? Or your kids, your grandkids? It made no sense. And I completed this tour of S21, and I was in tears. I sat down on this bench in the courtyard, 
And I remember there was this little bird that kind of popped up and sat by me initially, and I was, I was a mess. I was just trying to collect myself a little bit. And I, I began to pray. And it was getting kind of late in the day, and there weren't many visitors left at, at S21 at that time. And I didn't know. I didn't know that I was going to have to face the cross like this. I didn't know. And it messed me up. And then this older man, he came and he sat next to me. And he didn't speak English, but he, he placed his hand on my shoulder. And he smiled at me. Chumme is one of the 12. He's one of the 12 people who survived S21. And he comes to S21 now a, a few days a week, and he had seen me sitting there hurting. And I wish I could tell you that all of a sudden we ha I was able to have this great, I had all these insightful questions. I was blubbering. And I remember I apologized to him. I don't even know why I did. I felt stupid even saying it. Like, but I apologized to him. But over the next 20 minutes, Chum May sat with me. And through an interpreter, he talked with me. And he said that often Westerners, like me, would come to S21 ignorant. They didn't know. They didn't know the story of what had taken place here. And he said that sometimes he is able to talk with us. Not just to make us feel better, maybe not at all, but to commission us as witnesses. Witnesses for hope and for justice. Because the evil that is behind crucifying people it didn't stop with Jesus. Chime sat with me and he told me that I must, I must then go from S21, go out to the killing fields. And he said I, I needed to hurry because it was late in the day. And I remember thinking to myself, well, I, I have to meet Carrie's dad for dinner. It was Valentine's Day, actually. And I was supposed to meet him at a restaurant. And um, it, there was a big concert that was downtown and there was going to be all this traffic. And then all of a sudden it hit me. You know, when God puts you in a moment like this, when God speaks to you through one of the 12, you just do it. You just go. And so I went to the killing fields. Now, those of you who know me, you know how much children mean to me. I love kids. I always have my kids. I love kids. It's just kind of a thing. Last Sunday was my first Sunday back in this building. And, and I saw this. Some of you guys had done while I was gone. I saw this out in the, in the Northex out there. It was out, out there. Many of you put, tied on these things. It's, it's lovely, but I'm going to tell you something. You punched me in the gut with this. You didn't know it. It's not your fault. But I saw this, and I had this reaction to it because it brought me back to this image from a tree in the killing fields. It's a tree today that's covered with ribbons like this. This is the tree where the executioners would beat small children, crying for their parents, and then execute them and throw their bodies into a, into a grave. 
I was gutted. Pretty much every church I've ever been in has had a cross hanging at some point in front of the church. And maybe we get so familiar with it that we forget what it was. That it was, a sim- it was something that people were executed upon. Maybe we, maybe I forget the evil in the world that causes people to do stuff like this. And I'm going to be honest, I'm still processing some of the secondary trauma of all this. But you don't get to have Easter unless you recognize the evils in our world, the cross. After Jesus' resurrection from death on a cross, Jesus told his disciples to go back north to Galilee and wait for him. The disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came near and spoke to them, I've received all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. Jesus commanded us to forgive, always. Even from the cross, Jesus forgave those who put the spikes into his hands. Is that justice to you? Because if you were like those disciples 2,000 years ago, and you're doubting, that's okay. A little over 10 years ago, after living for decades in hiding, Comrade Duke was caught and he was tried. Now, in those decades, Comrade Duke became a Christian. And before his trial began, he came face to face with Chum Mei, whose wife and children were slaughtered on his order and he asked for forgiveness. What does justice look like for Chumay? What does justice look like to you? What does it look like to Jesus? On Easter, we are called to witness the cross and the power of love that will not let revenge and hate win. On this Easter, we are called back to this life to proclaim a justice that seeks resurrection healing, even in the face of hell. All of us face betrayal and anger. We see the divisions in our nation and in the world around us, and we see what the powers of evil would do. And God calls us back, calls us back to the promises of baptism to resist oppression and evil and to show love and justice in this world. This is the way, and it may be the 
only way that can save us. But it takes you back to being called back to share love and light. I have been called back to trust, to have faith and proclaim Christ's way of living all the more because I have seen where hate and anger lead. I've seen the bones. And dear God, in Christ's resurrection, there is hope that humanity can be healed, that there is a better way. And on, on this Easter morning, we reclaim the truth to a broken world that love wins. And so it comes down to this. Do you recommit yourself to the saving power of Easter? Will you proclaim the truth that saves to a world that needs it? Will you take what you've experienced, what you've heard, and bear witness to the truth and join in standing to proclaim Easter hope in 